Thank you for listening to The Great Northern Podcast. The Great Northern celebrates our cold, creative winters through 10 days of diverse programming that invigorate mind and body. In an era of changing climate that threatens our signature season, we seek to create community, inspire action, and share the resilient spirit of the North with the world. In this episode, composer Molly Joyce talks about her practice, and specifically her new project, Perspective, which is a part of the Great Northern this year. The work features words and stories of disabled interviewees set within a complementary soundscape. Perspective is on view at Second Shift Studio Space, opening January 28th. More information is at thegreatnorthernfestival.com. We hope you enjoy learning about Molly's process. Hi, I'm Molly Joyce, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about my project, Perspective. I'm a composer and performer. Um, I'm originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, but now I'm based in um, Charlottesville, Virginia. Um, And a lot of my work as an artist focuses on disability as a creative source. Um, This really stems from my kind of direct embodied experience with acquiring a disability. Um, At the age of seven, I was involved in a car accident that nearly amputated my left hand. And ever since the accident, it's kind of really been a journey from denying my disability to embracing it first and foremost. Um, I think especially right after the accident, I was about seven years old. I really wanted to kind of cover my hand in long sleeves. I didn't really want to recognize my hand at all. Um, I thought it was just this kind of different part of me that I was is just essentially a burden, if you will. Um, However, this really progressed uh, once I got to graduate school and discovered disability studies and reading about disability as this kind of social and cultural phenomenon. Um, And this really greatly motivated me to kind of realize the so-called different part of my body, if you will, and kind of embrace it first and foremost and see it as the kind of critical creative driver um, of my artistic practice that it is today. Um, So now this kind of involves in my work, anything from my musical compositions um, to performances. Um, I often perform on this vintage toy organ instrument I love. Um, Especially because it has chord buttons on the left-hand side and a keyboard part on the right-hand side. So it feels very um, natural for me to perform on with my hands, um, especially as the chord buttons on the left-hand side fit my um, disabled left hand very well. Um, and now it's expanded to um, kind of singing with the, with the organ and lyrics I write, performing with video. collaborations with other artists, including disabled artists and scholars, um, and more recently, kind of more communally engaged projects. Um, I think especially once I started, you know, investigating disability more publicly in my work, I always felt like, okay, it's my own narrative, it's my own story, and I've always been hesitant about how to um, enact or engage more kind of outwardly, um, you know, engaged, for lack of a better word, um, projects or undertakings in my work. Um, however, this kind of was accelerated a couple of years ago when I had a conversation with the kind of legendary disability activist Judith Human. 
um, and in our conversation, I believe we were talking about like a panel that we're supposed to host, which um, subsequently was kind of canceled due to COVID. But as part of the panel and the questions we're talking about, you know, trying to ask questions that we feel um, really highlight and are kind of essential to the disabled experience, Um, not questions that disabled people get so often about like, how do you overcome your disability? How do you even live day to day? Um, How do you, um, are you inspired or were so inspired by your disability? Kind of these um, common tropes that are often associated with disabled life. Um, But really, again, those questions and concepts, I think disabled people um, kind of work with every day. So um, questions, especially such as what is access for you? What is care for you? um, And what is weakness for you? Um, And these questions really set this project in motion titled Perspective, um, with which I ask those questions and similar related questions, again, that I feel are really kind of essential concepts and inquiries to the disabled experience, um, to interviewees across a range of um, disabilities and further identities, such as race, um, religion, age, gender, sexuality, and more. Um, And with this project, I love Um, I think it really kind of suits my personality naturally as I'm very kind of uh, quiet and shy. I prefer listening (laughs) as opposed to talking. So I love interviewing people um, and getting these perspectives. Um, And with some of the initial versions of the project, I um, so I did oral interviews with most of the interviewees, um, recorded the audio for their interviews, and then kind of edited it down to highlights for each section. Um, So, for example, there's a section called Access, um, which begins with my voice asking what is access for you, and then has um, subsequently um, the recordings of the interviewee's answers along with my musical underscoring. Um, And the musical underscoring involves my voice um, and, of course, the vintage toy organ, my favorite instrument, um, and electronic processing of both sources. Um, And I've been really uh, fortunate to keep expanding the project um, including with that initial version, which was started in Washington, D.C. a few years ago with Halcyon Arts Lab, with a fellowship I had there, um, to more recently this past summer um, in Boise, Idaho, with um, Searle's Place, which a re- residency I had there, and the Open Arms Dance Project, which is a, a mixed like disability and ability dance company. Um, And I'm really happy to share some excerpts from the work, from the work's first iteration. Um, One of the excerpts is the section weakness. Um, So it features interviewees responding to the question of what is weakness for you? Um, And this was actually kind of the first question, which kind of um, began the project, if you will, Um, is when Judy Human and I, we had our conversation. Um, I remember she asked, because I think I was explaining to her a collaboration or a project I had with um, a, a dance collaborator. We both have impaired left sides. And I think I said, oh, we both have weaker left sides. And she asked, you know, why do you always refer to your left hand as weak? Why do you always say weak? And um, that really, that question really struck me kind of personally and almost politically, if you will. Because um, I always knew that I had that habit of saying, oh, my weaker left side. And not like I feel like I should stop saying that or refer to it as my kind of strong left side and deny weakness altogether. Um, but that word never felt Uh, felt right with me. It felt like I was always reiterating these flawed and kind of narrow, um, socially constructed definitions of what weakness can and should be. Um, So that really began this project where I was super curious, like what would, what is weakness to people across a range of disabilities, across uh, vision and hearing impairments, uh, physical impairments, sensory impairments, and so on. What is weakness 
mean to them? Is it something that they embrace or they want to deny or they want to forget altogether? Um, and it's just super, of course, interesting. I think the responses I received. What is weakness for you? Weakness, gosh, that's so loaded. <laughs> yeah, it's not a word I, th- I think about that much, and I wonder why. insofar as it is often defined for me and actually most people find weaknesses defined for them by somebody outside and that ends up becoming internalized um, and then the second question uh, second excerpt I'd like to share um, is in response to, is called cure and is in response to the question what is cure for you um, so cure I'm sure I could talk about this forever but is traditionally a very um, controversial topic within the disability community and actually even with this question and with all the project questions I always give interviewees the options to um, the option to not answer if they don't wish to or if they don't feel comfortable you know responding to a certain concept and I'd always kind of um, give a disclaimer with this question like this is my most probably controversial one if you wish to respond or not um, but of course with cure I think it's the longest section of the first iteration of the project. It's about five minutes total. And um, I received, of course, the most, I think, lengthy, I would say, opinionated, you know, interesting, detailed answers. Um, And I'm sure, as you'll hear in some of the excerpts, um, there's a lot of um, contradiction, I think, in a good way, showing the the wide variety of views and opinions on cure. Um, And I think cure is often, sometimes it's viewed as a positive facet to you know, maybe actually physiologically improve the lives of those with disabilities, um, but can also be viewed as a negative asset, um, as something that's, you know, going to erasure with disabled people or trying to get rid of disability altogether, which of course can be a seemingly impossible task, um, or can be viewed as a more neutral asset, um, as something that does have its positive and its negative sides and is something that will just always be with us. Um, so again, it was very important for me to ask this um, question and concept and see how interviewees responded. What is cure for you? I don't think there is such a thing. Something that I'm allowed to say that I want, but I don't want the world to force upon me. I would say that cure is a fiction. It means that I have a problem that needs to be fixed. But when I think about my disability, I don't think about being broken. I think about changing the world around me to see me as whole, um, and cure doesn't have a place in that. And more recently, which I'm super excited about, um, the Minnesota version um, with the Great Northern Festival. Um, And with this version, I actually asked for new questions to the project, um, specifically questions and concepts that um, I feel are really kind of essential to the disabled experience as well as the experience of winter. Um, So those four questions are, um, what is resilience for you? What is isolation for you? Um, What is connection for you? And what is darkness for you? Um, And I think it's super interesting because these questions, I did all the interviews um, primarily over Zoom or some over the phone this past summer and summer of 2021. Um, And of course, they're still very much living, I think, within the COVID-19 pandemic during that time, too. So I think some of these questions, such as isolation or connection, 
kind of um, had, you know, multifaceted interpretations during that time. Um, And with the Minnesota interviewees, I really, again, tried to reach interviewees across a range of disabilities and experiences overall. Um, And I was really fortunate for support with the Minnesota and the Twin City disability community in trying to um, reach interviewees virtually. Um, That includes with, I was really fortunate to connect with the ARC Minnesota and went to some of their um, the self-advocacy committee meetings. Um, And I look forward to hopefully going to more and having them as part of the opening event. Um, And it's really just been kind of uh, fascinating for me to receive the answers to these questions. Um, Now I'm going through and editing them. I actually just recorded um, all the material for them with the music today. Um, And it's been just really a thrill to um, put it all together and pursue another edition of the project. Um, And I think just to add to the project will also, um, this Minnesota edition of the project will form part of an album um, coming out next fall on New Amsterdam Records, uh, featuring the recordings and videos for all the iterations of the projects. Um, And I guess just lastly to add to, I forgot to add, I'm talking about the audio, but the video also has a a visual component or the project. Um, So the visual component is basically a video with white text against black background, Um, The text of the question is at the top of the video, such as, what is isolation for you or what is resilience for you? And that kind of says static. And at the bottom is the text answers of the um, interviewee's responses that kind of cycle through um, corresponding to whatever they're kind of saying and what is heard orally. Um, And it's really important for me to have these two outputs of the project, the oral and visual output, um, in order to underscore disability culture's value of kind of accessibility and again, these kind of multiple sensory outputs. Um, So not kind of putting priority on one sensory output of the work, such as, you know, the oral recordings and my musical underscoring, or just the visual, just the captions. Um, It's really important for me to have those options in order to um, reach users across vision, hearing, um, and more impairments. Um, And also, I really love that kind of open caption format of the videos of the caption being kind of the only visual aesthetic there, I think. Um, Usually, captions are kind of, I don't know, denoted to realms of accommodation, kind of tack on visually. And I really love just highlighting that as the only visual and just really, again, focusing on the question and the interviewee's answers and um, trying to highlight their voices as much as possible. Um, And with that, I just want to, of course, invite everyone um, to hopefully before um, experiencing or taking in the work to perhaps um, contemplate the project questions for themselves, um, specifically the, cre- the questions relating to the Minnesota edition. Um, so again, those four questions are, what is resilience for you? What is isolation for you? What is connection for you? What is darkness for you? What is 
Um, so again, thank you so much for listening. And of course, to the Great Northern Festival for having me. Um, and I'm really f- looking forward to having the work there um, in a few weeks. For a full schedule of events or to make a donation to The Great Northern, visit our website at www.thegreatnorthernfestival.com. Your contribution will allow The Great Northern to continue seeking new perspectives on the elements that make this region unique, while highlighting what we stand to lose if our climate continues to warm. Support for The Great Northern is generously provided by sponsors including the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, McKnight Foundation, Askov Finlayson, Minneapolis Foundation, Spotify, Arts Midwest, Greater MSP, Excel Energy, Fat Tire Beer, Polestar Minneapolis, City of St. Paul Cultural Star Program, Carlson Family Foundation, M.A. Mortensen Company, Vikra Distillery, Sand Valley, Deed, Meet Minneapolis, Faribault Woolen Mill Company, Minneapolis Club, Renaissance Minneapolis Hotel, The Depot, Minnesota Public Radio, Sahan Journal, Caribou Coffee, Quebec Government Office in Chicago, Quincy Hall Crave Catering, REI Co-op, Villa Albertine, the French Consulate, GIST, and the St. Paul Hotel, along with community partners and individual donors.